going on, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast, Corner Talks. I have my good friend here, Adrian Leva, real estate investor from New Mission Investments. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, hey, I'm great. How are you doing, my friend? I'm great, buddy. Just Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for joining. Um, how, how's everything going on? I know these are crazy times. I'm always curious what my friends are doing, what they're up to. How are you coping? Yeah, no, I, I'm uh, surprisingly, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, well. We'll get into the nitty gritty, but um, I just want to say, I think your podcast is serving a lot of, of people. I think it's serving listeners well, because I think this whole pandemic, um, it's made people feel like they're in a black box. They're dealing with their own problems and they think they're the only ones dealing with, with them. But really, we're all going through similar things. And I think podcasts like yours are given context to a lot of your listeners that everybody's kind of going through the same thing and generating that like sense of camaraderie that we're all in this together. I think is super important. Um, you know, even at a really local level, like between you and I, like our lives, just two people, yeah. you know, giving that context, I think is going to be helpful for a, a lot of folks. Uh, Cause everybody feels like, at least from my perspective, I feel like a lot of people have thought, oh, you know, I'm falling behind and I see all these people doing great mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Um, you know, at least I've gotten some messages from people. They're saying, you know, you're doing great as a real estate investor. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely am super grateful for the path I've been right. on, but um, you know, I've obviously dealt with challenges as well. And I think giving light to those things, especially um, to people who think that, you know, you or I may be ahead of them. Mm -hmm. um, is really helpful, right? Because we're all going through this together. So anyways. Yeah, no, I, I, I want to just touch on what you said because I'm glad you mentioned it is the, the important thing and why, why I create content or why you might create content down the road uh, with regards to connecting to your audience is you want to show that vulnerability. You want to show that side where you're just as human as they are. And I always connect it back to, you know, uh, what's a good movie, right? A good movie is where the person you can relate to um, you're inspired by, and um, you can connect on a different level, a human level, right? If they're always, if everything's portrayed as so perfect, as we see with our generation, especially with the highlight reel, as I call it, um, you lack that that grit, you lack that lack that uh, feeling, right, towards them. But one hundred percent. So with these with these podcasts, with these vlogs, um, yeah, that's the intention, guys, is to show you that we're just like you. And we got our own, we, me and you, uh, we, we always uh, were texting when we were keeping, uh, keeping up with each other's lives, like, you know, what, what the pitfalls we were going through or the obstacles, um, but what we overcame them and there's going to be even more to come, right? There's always going to be things um, that we're going to experience that we're going to share with you guys. Hopefully um, you'll take it and be inspired by. So on that note, um, big obstacle um, that we can all uh, agree on um, to Adrian and people listening is the pandemic um, when it hit. Uh, to give you guys some context, Adrian and I uh, were collaborating. I um, run a production company called 94 Productions and he uh, runs New Mission Investments. And we were on the same path with regards to creating our own business and starting our own um, kind of creative venture. And we, we really didn't know where it was headed. We just knew what we wanted to do and um, needed to take the, the initial steps. So upon saying that when we create, when I was creating content with you, uh, I remember, you know, we, we had a great session and you dropped me off at my house. <laughs> I remember you saying like, you know, I had a great time. Can't wait. We're going to kill it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to make more content. Can't wait, whatever. <laughs> and then a week later, uh, the pandemic hit and everything just stopped as far as it did for me. <laughs> like my world just stopped <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because again, with creativity requires a little bit more, uh, than, than staying in your room. You got to get out there and, you know, got to have, have, have a team and yeah, I, I'll get into that later, but I'm just curious with you, um, whatever happened, like what, how did you cope with, uh, that, that initial change when the world, yeah. was, like borders are closed, stay home, <laughs> yeah, man, that was, it was so funny. The timing of it all, um, <laughs> like for everybody listening, uh, like Daniel and I would meet at the gym Well, we would kind of cross paths at the gym. We didn't really set it up, but we'd always right. be at the gym at the same time, same place. <laughs> And we'd have these like really inspiring, like motivating conversations because we're really on the same wavelength, right? Of like yeah. wanting to start businesses and, and, you know, improving and progressing, whatever. And, and that kind of led to us collaborating. And we were just so pumped. We were so excited. It was like last February, beginning of March. Mm -hmm. And then literally I, we were at the house at my uh, 
the property I'm, I'm uh, I have as a project had this great day recorded this sweet intro and like walkthrough videos mm. <laughs> literally next thing boom <laughs> shut down done oh man crazy anyways um yeah so from the real estate angle from kind of where i was and where i wanted to go last year i was super pumped um i had this whole plan in my head of uh being able to take a step back from the nitty-gritty um you know technical side of the renovations um, I had a contractor, or, or I should say a general contractor that was set up. So they're the ones that manage the teams and actually manage the, the uh, renovation. And I was going to be able to be more of a business owner and work on the business rather than in the business. Right. And it was, it was super exciting because I was ready to build my brand. I was ready to expand my business, start raising capital. Um, so basically for context, you know, basically what I was trying to do was start a real estate investing business where I was buying undervalued properties, uh, renovating them, renting them out, and then refinancing um, at the new appraised value of the building and then recycle my capital into another project. And then at the same time, oh my gosh. Busy guy. That's my plumber. <laughs> <laughs> You're a busy, Anyways, guy. busy um, guy. And then eventually uh, raise capital right. from... Uh, <laughs> From joint ventures to scale my business that was this high level plan i was super excited yes um but uh that obviously didn't happen the way i planned it to be and that's right. okay so when the world shut down i didn't have my permit from mm. uh, the city of hamilton at the time and what that basically means is i cannot <clears throat> legally hire people to work into in the building um basically the lockdown prevented new projects or projects without permits yet um, to not start, like can't start construction. Right. You, they will not issue the permits. So wow. I had two months of time yeah. where I couldn't hire do anything. Um, and so wow. what I ended up having to do was go into that house myself with my 58 year old father <laughs> and demolish that house yeah. by myself. Wow. Um, so that was a whole that was a whole experience in, in itself, man. Like, I you didn't even hire workers. Building. I remember you telling me, right? I'm oh, sorry, I can't hear you. Can you hear Bro? me? Can you hear me? Okay, there we go. Right. Yes. I'm saying, I, I was just going to interject. I was going inter <laughs> to, we've been having a lot of hiccups this morning. Uh, <laughs> I've been, I've, I was going to interject. Um, you you uh, didn't even hire anyone to help you with removing the debris and, you know, like take us through that. Like, what, what was that experience like? Yeah, that was, that was not in the plan whatsoever. So yeah. I was going to hire a, a demolition team to fully gut this house back to the bricks. It was a 110 year old house, had plaster and metal lath on the walls. Like this was the old way construction used to work. And right. my 50 year old father and I went in this place and because we couldn't hire anybody, we had to do it ourselves, rip this thing back to the studs, put all the garbage. I think it was probably more than 15,000 pounds worth of material in garbage bags placed in the backyard because we couldn't get a bin. We didn't have a driveway and yeah. then have to haul it to the dump ourselves. That probably took us, I don't even know, a, a number of months to do just chipping away, chipping away. I'm so grateful that my, my dad was able to help. And this guy is a full-time job. He, he runs a freaking construction yeah. division. Yeah. And he's, he was still willing to come and help me. Uh, mm -hmm. We were joint venturing on the deal together. So I'm really grateful he, he uh, helped me out, but that wasn't in the plan at all, man. <laughs> no, for sure. No. Yeah. I, I know that your dad, well, what's up? Bucks. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I remember uh, those times when I came, those, that, that one time I did come up uh, to help you shoot that thing. Um, he showed up and you're explaining to, to me that like, he's been helping out a lot. He's like, like a partner basically um, in the investment and uh, you guys were helping each other and, a lot of a lot of uh, great experiences, a lot of funny moments. Uh, I remember, um, you know, just it, just kind of you pulling stuff out of the drywall and and because you, you were you were explaining um, it was a hundred year old house, right, or over a hundred years old, like the way it was designed and how like it was deteriorating. Like, what kind of stuff did you pull out of the drywall? You were <laughs> mentioning like yeah. things that you can pawn, things that you, that are worth a few million or not. Oh, I, I wish. Uh, no gold bars just yet, but no gold bars. Super funny. No gold bars just yet, but I found uh, uh, some like old Lay's chips bags behind the walls. 
like the way they were printed. Labor. Yeah, yeah, of course. They they, crazy, they don't man. give a shit. Yeah, they, they don't, don't throw anything yeah. in garbage bags. They yeah. just they just shove it in holes and they cover it up. Uh, this still happens today, but found that I found a a vinegar bottle from I think it was 1950s uh, or earlier than that. I kept that. I found a couple collectors cards of old vintage cars. Oh wow. Yeah, it was really interesting. I found all sorts of things. Um, I don't know what they're worth, but I'm keeping them uh, for sentimental value at least. Yeah, why not? You know, you know, it's my first property. It's my first experience in real estate. So I think they're going to mean something to me in mm-hmm. five years when, you know, uh, the business back. is much bigger than it is. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I like I like the idea of the the bottle. The bottle's pretty cool to keep. The bottle is cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was it was uh, manufactured in Toronto uh, back in 1950s. And I forget the name of the company, mm-hmm. but it looked like the Heinz brand mm-hmm. almost, which was interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But anyways, um, I'm curious for you because at least my experience, there was hiccups in the beginning. Yeah. Um, things still went as planned later on, which we can discuss, but. Obviously, on your end, as a, as a director and a producer, you need to right. be in front of you need to be in front of people. Or at least, yeah, be with be with people. Or at least be like, with people. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. It's not like yeah, I could do it all on my own. As much as there's times when you just you want to do it all, all on your own, um, you need a subject, you need an actor, you need something to film. Um, yeah. So yeah, for me, man, when it hit, um, I'll be honest. Yeah, the first few months, probably until May, May or June, I was like um, doing like scavenging like just anything I can find uh pieces of footage like just trying to stay as creative as I could but it wasn't doing anything for me like I still made content but they were very like simple like 15 second videos I went on TikTok to see like what I could do with that um but I was suffering a lot um because again that creative itch wasn't being scratched and I wasn't able to go out and I was devastated I'll be honest because I was really excited I had all my contacts lined up and I had a lot of projects that um we're supposed to be even being filmed um, around May or April. Uh, that was yeah. the plan, the initial plan, like that short film I was discussing with you about. And I was, I was worried. I didn't know if things were going to fall through. At the time, people forget, like when it first started, there wasn't like you wear a mask and that's it. You wash your hands. Like people didn't even know what to do for the first week or two until you started getting the announcements. And I didn't know what, what to make of it. I didn't know, you know, how many jobs are going to be lost or, you know, what was going to happen to the economy. So it was just a lot of things that were running through my mind. And again, pursuing the arts is hard enough. It's challenging enough. And when you got to deal with these external factors, it doesn't really help. So I can only imagine, you know, other fellow artists that are in that situation, but uh, eventually I kind of forced myself. And this is what I discussed with a lot of people in the industry. A lot of creatives that I have on this podcast is I always say like, you know, how did you keep busy? How did you keep creative? How do you stay creative? And I'm always curious, you know, their techniques. And for me, I just went back to basics, something as simple as drawing. I, I discovered a passion for drawing um, and I decided to draw characters that, you know, I grew up with, nostalgic characters. And I've been getting a lot of high praise, a lot of high compliments for it. And again, it's just another piece of a portfolio that I created for myself. And it, you know, occupied a lot of my time, but it also allowed me to not think about so much of the negativity at the time when I was like, oh, I'm all cooped up and there's nothing really to do. Um, you know, I, I enhanced my editing. I, I learned some more techniques and, you know, played around with like VHS effects and, you know, music, um, investing in some music licenses. So it's all about, I guess, expanding and bettering the, the brand and learning new skill sets, right? Uh, something we always advocate, always endorse. And that's something that I did. I also went, uh, decided to read more. Um, I, I never, like I always read in the past, <laughs> not illiterate, but I never read as much as I wanted to, or, spe- or as much as a, a writer should, right? I should mention that I also write my own content and, um, you know, uh, screenplays and things like that. So writing allowed me to, and it wasn't just narrative storytelling, to, storytelling it was uh, self-help books. I got all into self-help, like Power of Now and The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And um, you got uh, The Happiness Advantage, and I discussed them on my vlogs because I want them to help people as much as they help me. I know that there's someone watching it that is struggling with, you know, how do they find the inspiration or how do they not compare themselves with other people and only compare with who they were yesterday, right? So I guess it just became, came down to, man, uh, self-reflection. I used that time. Um, how I coped with it is just looking inwards 
and realizing, you know, who's Daniel, who is, who does he want to be? And, you know, what is his potential? And it, I, in that brief period or that long period to a lot of people where nothing was really happening, I, again, I took advantage of it and I did as much as I could in terms of, uh, keeping my mind stimulated, right? I finished a script uh, that I was putting off for a year. Um, I helped uh, that short film, you know, in the, in the behind the scenes, like getting um, people on board. And it was just a long experience. And I know I seem like I'm kind of going off on a rant here, but no, it's, um, it was just very interesting time. Man. There was a lot going on and uh, I was in a low place, but I uh, rose above it. And this is why I'm happy you mentioned at the beginning, like people think like they'll see my content and I get compliments all the time. Like you're doing great. Can't wait to see more content, whatever. But people don't realize like I went through a really, really, uh, really low time um, trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted my content to be about. Um, what, what was I going to tell the world, talk about with, uh, you know, what I wanted to discuss. But um, we survived, you know, we, we overcome it. And we realized, you know, there's no challenge we can, we can overcome and there's no obstacle we can't uh, break through, right? And uh, we, prove, we prove that with ourselves. And I wanted yeah. to know with yourself, like, did you, did you have a moment after those two months kind of passed, did you notice things were picking up for you? Yeah, uh, before I get, I get into that, I did, I did definitely feel like this whole renovation has been drawn out, but I would not change a thing. Uh, I'll get into that in a sec, but I, I, it's interesting the way you described your experience during the, the pandemic, because I had a similar one where I feel like we're on the same boat, um, especially when it comes to uh, entrepreneurship. I think right. entrepreneurship gets a very um, glorified rap from mm -hmm. the industries today. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like it can be even pre-pandemic can be a very uh, lonely endeavor yeah. for a lot of people. Like I've, I've been lucky to be part of some really great uh, communities and groups of people um, who are uh, very entrepreneurial and business oriented and uh, a lot of them starting their own things. And uh, even pre-pandemic, it can be a very lonely endeavor when you're starting out. You don't have a team that you're working with every day. You're kind of on your own yeah. doing your thing. Like I spent, I spent many days many many days um just doing stuff at the house before the permit came through uh demolishing a house by myself for eight hours at a time then going home not being able to see friends you know yeah. a phone call can only do so much right facetime yeah. can only do so much uh, and you know what a lot of entrepreneurs that i've spoken to even pre-pandemic going through the same thing um so yeah well, you mentioned pre-pandemic though that's something i forgot to mention is that that's that's i think what was devastating for me is pre-pandemic, I was already trying to figure my stuff out. And I right. think that's what it is, is I found some sort of salvation with this, you know, production. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm excited. Like things are going to hopefully like not instantly happen um, where you're making money and whatever. It's just more like you found something like you can grab onto or look forward to. And yeah. I think with the pandemic, uh, especially like I said, with for entrepreneurs or people that are, are trying to make something for themselves, that's where it was a, a block in the road. <laughs> it was, it was just a huge huge obstacle that uh, yeah. we didn't know how, what to make of it initially. Yeah. Right. I think the, I think the pandemic sh shone a light um, on people. Um, they went internal and they, they really reflected on who they were, the habits that they had as, as individuals uh, because people really became their habits during the pandemic. Yeah. And those that maybe went to a deep, dark place, I'm sure a lot of people, including myself, have been there realize okay why am i here how can i get myself out and then realize maybe it's their philosophies maybe it's their habits whatever and they had to kind of rework or reinvent themselves to rise above it i think there's there's a lot of good that came out of the pandemic as, as bad as it was um in terms of a lot of people being able to reinvent themselves um but i like that me, i like what you said by the way reinvent that's yeah. something i missed yeah yeah, no, definitely. I'm sure, you, you know, you went through a similar um, experience as I did. Um, but anyways, after um, after the demolition of the house, mm -hmm. um, initially, honestly, I wanted to finish the whole project by like September-ish um, because 
Um, I wanted to kind of get two deals done in 2020, uh, but nice. that was with a, a general contractor that would do the work and manage the teams for me. Mm-hmm. But on the other end of, of the demolition, I realized that um, we needed to uh, trim the budget a bit more to, to fit the budget. Uh, so I ended up general contracting the whole project, okay. which meant that I needed to service all, uh, all the laborers, find them all, hire them all, uh, manage them all day to day, um, basically deal with all the things that are required for renovation. And right. I'm not an expert. I've been doing this for, um, you know, a number of years, like my father has, or my uncle has, he's a right. great general contractor. So I had to learn everything from scratch and yeah. uh, I'm, I'm finishing up this week. I have final occupancy inspection this week. It's, you know, February 9th today or 8th today. Um, it's taken me longer for sure, but honestly, I wouldn't mm-hmm. change a thing. Um, so after demolition, hired all the, the team members required for framing. Then I had to get the plumbing done. Then I had to get electrical, spray foam, drywall, painting, trim. Oh my gosh, floors. Like it was, it was so many yeah. things, right? And I think I bit off a lot more than I, I could chew in the, in the beginning. But honestly, I, I came through it all and I'm ready for absolutely anything on the, the back end of this. And another interesting thing that came out of the pandemic from a real estate standpoint was <laughs> the real estate industry has been appreciating like absolutely crazy. So yeah, that's something I wanted to definitely ask you, like what's going on. I'm, I know I'm curious, like at my industry got shot, <laughs> the, film, <laughs> the, the filmmaking industry, Hollywood's like on fire, but um, yeah, real estate, everyone wants to know like what happened, like what, why do you think it's on fire? Like what, what's going on? On fire in a good way, I should mention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, at least on your end for the film industry, people have gotten creative. Like I've seen so many AAA actors on Netflix, for example, mm-hmm. or uh, or doing podcasts now and all the, like, it's just interesting to see how people have evolved from uh, the, the big screens to, I guess you can call them the smaller screens. No, for sure, yeah. You know what I mean? But anyways, um, at least for the real estate uh, industry side, um, it's been different based on the market you're in. For me, being in Hamilton, it was mostly positive. Uh, so there was a mass exodus of people moving out of Toronto. Um, nobody wants to live in condos anymore. They're oh, yeah? Is that like a trend you're finding? Oh, no. It's, it's well known that people have been moving out of condos. The condo market in Toronto dropped. I don't know what percentage, but wow. significant double digits double digits for sure like 10 plus percent wow um yeah the, is that the rents... for our age though like because i know people choose condos because that's the only thing they can afford like you know what i mean like with or, or at least they try to <laughs> i mean yeah i mean uh detached homes were already pricing young millennials out of the market but mm-hmm. um unfortunately because the pandemic left people stuck at home the mass uh, the, the, the great majority of people living in condos in Toronto were, I guess, saying to themselves, I cannot live here anymore. Uh, it's too stuffy, too small. I want to move outside the city. Uh, I need more space. And so there's a mass exodus right. um, from that market. Condo prices fell. Uh, condo rents fell significantly as well. Wow. And interestingly enough, uh, there was a large amount of people that uh, moved into Hamilton because we're the next oh. closest major city. Okay. Good. Um, so rental rates at the time when I was checking, I think it was August or September, rental rates went up 4% in Hamilton during the peak of the pandemic. Um, and they dropped significantly in Toronto. Um, I wish I can explain why that was other than the fact that we're the next closest city on, on a major highway or transit line, I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. that's all it was. Maybe it was a bit more than that because there was affordability. Are um, seeing younger people like in the like in Hamilton, like the activity is yes. changing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A lot that's of great. lot of young lot, a lot of young creatives who would fit right in. Uh, Hamilton is known <laughs> yeah. very well for um, their arts and culture. Nice. That's a that's a big industry for them. Um, but uh, yeah, so the rents went up and the market itself, the detached market for the past, I don't even know how many months at this point, 
has been just on a bull run like crazy. The appreciation last year for the the housing market, I think across Canada in general, was something stupid like 20% or close to that. Um, and the average that people see year to year is 5%. So we had a 400% higher appreciation rate um, in Canada for a number of reasons. Also because the government printed a ton of money, stimulus mm -hmm. money, right? Right. Um, and that's, that's, that's a whole other conversation, a can of worms that we don't have to get into <laughs> right. right now, but yeah, printing yeah. money increases asset prices. And so I fortunately benefited from um, the pandemic from a financial standpoint, because I'm, I'm definitely going to get higher rents from people when I start mm. uh, marketing for rents in the nice. coming weeks. And the appraisal value of this <clears throat> home when I'm finished and I get the appraiser to walk through could be significantly higher than what I initial, initially budgeted last February. Um, so from that standpoint, I'm super grateful that the market went the way it is. But mm -hmm. um, you know what? There's also downsides. Like obviously, um, at least from a landlord perspective, mm -hmm. uh, you, you can't evict people right now during a pandemic. Right. It's illegal. They've uh, stopped that. Wow. Uh, which which I can understand. Yeah. Um, but it also places a really large risk on small landlords. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> you know there are professional tenants out there, um, which are folks that do try to take advantage of. Landlords. Know how to milk the system. Yeah. Know how to milk the system. Um, and I don't want to create any animosity with uh, with renters. Obviously, I think um, there is definitely uh, a really supportive relationship that needs to be built between landlords and tenants. I think that there's, uh, you know, positives and negatives on both ends of the mm -hmm. spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people will tell you that, uh, you know, the, the tenants have the uh, majority of the control and weight on the, on the, uh, the lease and, and not, not the lease, the, um, the laws that Canada has or Ontario has specifically. Okay. A lot of people will say, no, you know, it's the landlords, they have all the power. I don't really want to get into that discussion. All I want to say is, you know, I understand the the challenges that the pandemic has caused. Mm -hmm. The government, I don't know if they have the best systems in place to deal with it, but as a small landlord, you just have to be careful who you're finding. Uh, make sure they're, you know, reliable uh, tenants, and I uh, should be okay in that sense. Yeah, for finance. sure. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not too familiar with that field. Um, you know, my my sister's on res, so she residents. And she has like, she tells me like what it's like to, uh, when the pandemic started, she, she, people were like lowballing um, what she needed uh, them to rent out. You know what I mean? Like her, her place that she has. Mm -hmm. um, and, and now they're still trying to get away with it, but it's like, because things are better. And as you said, proven with the market, it's like, you're not going to get away with it. You know what I mean? Like before it was like, you know, you could ask for 200, which is like a steal. Um, but now it's like, just, you can't ask for that much. You know what I mean? You can't ask for, 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 uh, especially cause again, like how, how just seeing how the market's moving, but giving an insight to, towards condos. And, um, I had no idea, like, I, it makes sense to me. I think a big thing too, is we're, would you say it's a safety reason? Like people were not, didn't like the idea. They were like cor cornered up like rats in a, in a building. Think about that. Like, what if one That's guy in the building has, has the, the virus? I remember that's something like my dad mentioned and I was like, wow, that's a pretty good point. You know, um, who would want to live in a condo when there's like a pandemic, right? Not only you got to worry about yourself, you got to worry about everyone else. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's a very interesting take. So is the rent, so why the rents in Toronto still high, no? Cause people are still joking around about it. And like, I see, <laughs> I mean, you still see like influencers, like, you know, talking, talking smack. <laughs> In gen, honestly, yeah, Daniel. Like in general, the Toronto markets, you know, run away from a lot of people in terms of affordability. Yeah. Um, the the you know the cost of living there is incredibly high. Um, it's just the way the market has gone. I mean, um, there's limited supply in the market in terms of uh, units, and there's a ton of money printing from the government, and there's so many macroeconomic reasons why the you know, the, the housing market has, has run away from us that I honestly probably can't explain much uh, very articulately here, but um, right. unfortunately there's, 
something called the K-shaped recovery, mm-hmm. um, which we've seen um, as extremely prominent in the um, pandemic, which is the richer have gotten richer and the yeah. poor have gotten poorer. Wow. Um, and it's unfortunately the way that the world uh, has been going and for a very long time. Yeah, uh, the last hundred years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For the last hundred, hundred years at least. Um, so yeah, definitely uh, people with assets uh, physical assets, you know, and people in the stock market as well have done really well for themselves. Um, and then people without those things, unfortunately, they didn't do well for themselves. Um, and this just goes to show how little value is uh, in our fiat currency, which is like our Canadian dollar, for example. The more money we print, it's a deflationary currency. I don't want to turn this into an economics podcast. No, no, for sure. But <laughs> I know I, I love I love always like hearing about this because you know more about it. But um, yeah, continue with that. What, what were you saying? So it's like you're you're yeah. devaluing the money because they're right. printing more. Yeah, because I've already exactly. seen the dollar. The, the dollar is uh, losing a lot of value. Like from my last checked, right? Oh yeah. It's, you know, it also doesn't help because we're like you know, the economy is not working at full force, right? The way I look at it, the Canadian economy for, for quite a long time at this point has, right. has kind of been uh, like a, uh, a crack addict. That's okay. the way I look at it. The, the yeah, Canadian yeah. Well, please and explain. The, reason I, the <laughs> yeah. reason I say that is we have so much debt. I don't know where we rank in the world in terms of, I think we're in the top five for sure. Oh, in okay. terms of the amount of, of uh, debt our uh, our we country owe. has. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Like, the U.S., for example, they crashed in 08, which yeah. was healthy. That was healthy for them because they had so much debt. There was so much yeah, money in the wrong places. And, money, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't want to get into that whole thing. But basically, they uh, corrected, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Canada, they did not correct. They stayed flat. And the reason that is is because the Canadian Housing Mortgage and Housing Corporation, uh, which is the, the uh, entity that insures the banks, and the mm-hmm. mortgages the banks have, basically, the banks obviously they needed a bailout. They were having a hard time in 2 but yeah. CMHC, they bailed them out. They paid all the banks off. Right. They printed all the money. They paid all the banks off. So there was no significant crash like the U.S. Yeah, and that just increased our debt load even more. Yeah, and now you're seeing it in interest rates. The interest rate keeps they keep, you know, cutting the interest rates. Now they're almost zero. It's like 0.5 percent prime. This is rate, why we live crazy. in crazy. This is why like suburbs, like suburban homes, for instance, where they clearly do not look anywhere close to a million dollars or worth a million dollars. Is that? That's exactly it. I mean, that, yeah. that goes, that goes to show that asset prices keep increasing because that's, that's stimulation for the Canadian economy to right. continue. Right. And that's just a byproduct of it. Um, it's with interest rates and printing money as being the two prime ways that the Canadian government is keeping the economy afloat. So anyways, um, I think there's going to be a very big crash at some point in the future because we keep pushing it off. And the crack addict uh, notion comes in when they keep cutting interest rates and printing money. It's like mm-hmm. a short-term fix. They need their fix yeah. to not crash so they don't have their withdrawal. But eventually it's just going to all catch up. Eventually and that's what I wanted to ask up. you. And that's what I wanted to ask you because you have more knowledge of this with the economy and just economics as, uh, in general. What, like I'm always like, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I'm always like running around saying like, guys, like the dust hasn't settled. Like once the vaccines come, like it doesn't mean anything. Like we, there's a lot of repercussions on how, you know, between CERB and all the money that we're, you know, look at the, I, I feel like the taxes, like how much we're going to get taxed because we have to pay off all that money that was lent to us. Uh, what do you feel like? Do you feel like the dust settled or like we were, we're not even close to seeing what, what, what could happen? Uh, it's hard to say. Um, well, you just said there was a crash as a crack addict. Are you, are you referring to that? <laughs> no, I'm just saying like, is that, is no, no, that some, a good point. Good observation. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. Definitely. Um, I believe that if the government did not intervene with the stimulus money, printing money, the economy would have definitely had its crash, but they intervened. They dropped mm-hmm. interest rates ridiculously low to stimulate people buying houses and, and um, getting mortgages. Um, and this is how the Canadian economy continues to right. fuel itself. So that's definitely one of the prime examples of this like crack addict mentality. Um, that's the only way they uh, could keep the economy afloat at this point. There's not really another way that they are willing to um, exercise. The other and probably more healthy 
decision is to let, let it crash. Probably going to have a, a very long and very sad depression <laughs> for a right. couple of years. At the, the time it, you know, the economy breaks, but who knows when that happens? Cause they're just going to keep printing and they're going to keep dropping interest rates. It's going to be negative interest rate environment eventually. And that's why if you have cash, cash is trash. People keep saying cash is king. Cash is not king. It's trash. Oh yeah. Put it. You need to put it in assets. That's the only. Right. It's the only thing that's going to keep your your money valuable. If you have uh, money in your checking account, uh, it's losing so much money every single day. It's mm -hmm. insane. They the government um, they reworked their inflationary targets for the next number of years, and it's incredibly higher. Wow. Uh, like way higher than initially anticipated. They say we're trying to keep like I think a two two percent interest or two percent inflation rate averaged over the next 10 years i may be wrong uh, but it's really not that because they were lower than that in the previous years so they're actually going to run inflation super hot it's going to be like probably five plus percent every year so you're going to be losing five or more percent of your money that's in cash every year if it's not into assets that make you money so i digress I'm done with no, my, my rant. But no, yeah, that's a great that I, I'm I want to learn so much more. And I, I have so much more to learn in terms of like investing. And I took kind of an interest in, uh, you know, investing your money in compound interest, uh, you know, just making more, more uh, for your buck, right? Um, what yeah. would you advise like assets like other than housing? Like, is there when you refer to assets, like what are you referring to, like, to help people invest money? Yeah, I, I just mean, everybody has to do their own research to see what's right for them. But, right. you know, investments can be as simple as an RSP or GIC, which honestly, I probably wouldn't recommend. I would probably put it in the stock market. I'd probably put it in real estate. I'd put it in, um, you know, even Bitcoin. That's an interesting conversation to have. Yeah. Anything that's, that's not uh, deflation or inflationary, mm -hmm. you want to go into deflationary assets. So Bitcoin, for example, is a deflationary currency because it has a set number of bitcoins there's only i think 22 million bitcoins in the world hmm. there's no more they've set that number to 22 million wow. and people are mining bitcoin every day right we haven't like mined 22 million uh i think it's 22 million but uh, once they hit that cap sorry we're not making any more bitcoin that means that at that point the more interest there is in demand for bitcoin every Bitcoin is going to be worth more because you can't wow. make more just like yeah. the government makes more Canadian dollars. So think of it from that perspective, anything as a deflationary currency, uh, anything that, um, uh, you know, appreciates over time, like physical assets are always fantastic stock market as bad as it was in March, you know, it did a fan, it had a fantastic year. I don't know what the um, average return was last year in the S and P 500. I had the best financial year of my life last year because of the stock market. Uh, so I just, you know, oh, I reiterate right, yeah. to everybody. You're, into, to you're everybody. into stocks. Yeah. You invest money into stocks. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Touch on, that, touching on the I stock market. Yeah. Yeah. Touching on the stock market. Yeah. With uh, just want to ask about this whole like GameStop thing. Like, are you, <laughs> are you a fan of what happened or like, or is that, could that be bad for, for that's a good investors? question. Yeah. It's a good question. Um, I, I've been listening to a lot of really smart people talk about this and um, I, my take on it is this goes to show how disenchanted the everyday investor has become regarding that K-shaped recovery that I, I mentioned earlier because mm -hmm. the hedge funds and all the wealthy conglomerates, they just kept getting richer this, throughout this whole pandemic. And the little guys just kept getting pounded and pounded and pounded. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think what happened was finally uh, the little guy had a chance to stick it to the man. Yeah. Right. So um, they had an opportunity to um, communicate in large numbers on Reddit, come up with a plan, um, go after hedge funds who had large short positions in companies like GameStop right. and shorting people have different philosophies on shorting. Some people say that's just the way the market is. That's just one other opportunity. But a lot of people think shorting is kind of, um, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? I don't know, like kind of picking on the companies and betting on them to fail. Yeah, so like conspiring. Making, They're conspiring conspi against them. Yeah. Right, exactly. They're conspiring yeah. against companies. And because of this large short position, as the stock goes up, these shorts lose lots of money. And so they flooded GameStop 
and raised it up enough to uh, have these hedge funds close out their short positions, which means they had to buy huge amounts of GameStop. So it wasn't the little wow. guy that made it shoot to 400. Yeah. The hedge funds losing so much money and having to buy GameStop. And the reason they were able to do that is, I think, I, this is a, just an opinion, but it's all the stimulus money. People finally have money now. They're at home. They're like, yeah. screw it. I'm going to put my money in the stock market. I'm going to screw over the hedge funds who made all this money during the pandemic. I didn't do well for myself, but here's an opportunity. Coordinated together. To do so. Yeah, exactly. For sure. And they genuinely like, they genuinely wanted GameStop to exist, right? A lot of them, of let's course. be honest, that's, that's brand loyalty. And we, we can talk about that too, especially on future podcasts, the importance of brand. Um, something I'm a huge advocate of is, you know, if you don't have a brand when you're in a business um, or something that people can connect, you know, uh, an image with what you're selling, yeah. Um, there's no grounds for you, right? There's no traction. Uh, you need, I have you need... a question. What's up? I have a question for you. Sure. What is your, what would be your top three tips for people on building a brand? Cause I think you have a really interesting perspective on it. Thanks. Man. And, and, uh, yeah, just share it with me and yeah, with everybody. I'm curious. It's first time I've, uh, I was asked, I'm asked this actually. So, um, I'm going to give it my best shot here, but, uh, the first, the three tips that I'd recommend, um, First is be authentic, have good intentions. So whatever, whatever it is you're selling, um, whatever it is you're trying to endorse, um, be passionate about it, um, be authentic about it. When I say that, what I'm trying to get at is I hate those ads that are targeted to me. I don't know why, but it's always like yeah. make money in six months. I'll tell you how, do you want to live like this? Whatever. It's just, it's so cringe and it just doesn't make me want to invest any money at all. Um, I don't care how desperate I am. It's just, I, it bothers me that someone's yelling at me to do something or make, trying to make me feel worse about myself. So being, uh, having good intentions, having, uh, authenticity, having the goal of you want to improve. Um, and again, I always use the term inspire someone's life, uh, to be better. This is why I'm into filmmaking. Why I'm into storytelling. My brand, I started nine for productions is the whole intention is when you see the content, like when I made the content for you, you know, I got that phone call, like, buddy, I have no words. That's what I live for. That's what the brand is, is, is to sell is it, it goes to another level. It's, I don't need a walkthrough video. I need something that it's like, it's going to make me think like, what did I, what just, what did I just watch? You know what I mean? Right. Right. Transcends Change perspectives. Change yeah. perspective because I get a lot of, so for example, your industry, right? I get people contacting me like for real estate and they say, I want something different. I don't like these videos and they show me examples. And while they're all like talented in their own right, you know, there's great production companies doing their own thing. I think why people kind of are drawn to what I do is I treat it like I'm making like a movie. I take it from a personal place, the music, the score, the way, you know, the shots are conducted, how I position you in the camera, how I make you smile at certain shots. It's because I'm trying to make it personal for you. You know what I mean? I'm trying to make it, make it inviting for the viewer. Like, this is what the film, this is what my house is about. And this is, it's not supposed to be very dry. Like, okay, there's the kitchen this is whatever. That's why in your video, I should mention, you know, I added those little things in where you were like, I don't like that stove. It's crap. We're going to throw it out. <laughs> and then I did the fuzzy because it's like, it adds that humanity. Right. And you were so honest when you said it, that I'm like, I have to keep it. Like it's you, yeah. that's your character. And I yeah. loved it. I was laughing when I, when I was editing, I'm like, I have to put this in. This is great. Uh, second tip um, I should mention is, what I was touching on before is uh, passionate. Um, have your, and when I say passion, I mean, have it tell a story. Um, have it like your brand must be associated. When I, what I'm saying is when I watch Tarantino, for example, like Tarantino's brand, his name, for instance, I connect it to the rebel, the guy that he doesn't have the film school. He's not, um, he doesn't, he had no direction on where he was going in his life, but he had one thing and that was passion for movies. So when I watch yeah. his movies, when I see his stories and I see the characters that he creates and I, and I, you know, see how everything unfolds, I, I always connect it back to this is the guy with the vision, this is the guy with the imagination, right? The rebel that does it, does it his own way. For example, once upon a time in Hollywood, there's a scene where, you know, we live in cancel culture and feminists and things like that. And not that I'm advocating violence against women, but it was very interesting to see um, a young woman getting mauled by a dog. Right. And it was just unedited and it was raw. Like it was, it was on the scene for once upon a time in Hollywood, that movie. Right. And a lot of people in the film community uh, had high praise for that because again, it connects back to his brand. Like he's not going to give you anything less. Right. 
So I think it should have a good story and, and um, connected with that passion. And the third tip um, for creating a great brand is, I would say, I always say this term like legacy. I always throw on this term, like leave behind a legacy. And what I mean by that is whenever I do something, I'm always thinking long-term. I'm never thinking like, this is going to help me like in two months, this is going to help me for a lifetime. And this connects back to have a great, have a badass logo. And people might say, well, isn't that easy or isn't that stupid? Whatever judgment you make, um, I find it incredibly important. That logo is your um, identity um, in the business. Uh, it's the first thing people see and it's what people connect to. And it's not also the idea where you can just put it on anything and make it easily marketable. It's the idea that it connects to something like what what I'm looking at, like that, that hat, I'm like, if you're watching this YouTube video, guys, <laughs> I'm staring at this logo on your, on your head, that hat you're wearing. I immediately love it. Like I love the design. Um, so curious how that came about, but I, I see it and I immediately connect with, you know, your brand and what it's trying to sell. You know what I mean? The legacy, what it's trying to leave, like with, it, with this whole, th there seems to be this, um, I don't know. I just see that brand, that logo. And I'm, I'm imagining like prestige and like luxury and, you know, professionalism, you know what I mean? Like you connect it to. So I think it's really important to have a solid uh, visual aspect um, that will leave a legacy, uh, leave, leave something with the viewer, right? Like an impact. So those are my three tips. Um, I'll, I'll articulate it more <laughs> as I get better with this, but uh, that's basically how I see why I study marketing for the most part and why I, I pursued this um, kind of creative venture, this business because I, that those, those are what I live by. The idea that when people see my content, when people collaborate with me, they're getting this passion for storytelling. That, that's why I wanted to mention is as a videographer, um, clients that I deal with, um, like I got a call the other day and this woman was telling me like, I want you for a shoot because I could tell that you're, you're in it for the story. You're not in it for, for the shots. You know what I mean? Like just get the shots and go home. You want to actually like tell the best story you can with that camera. And I think that's, that connects always to a place um, that you should connect to with yourself is who are you, who you really are and who you want the world to see you as. And that's my take. Amazing. Very <laughs> concise. I like it. Um, I, I agree with your points. Um, I would add as well, I think um, it's especially, I think it's a little difficult, at least in your industry, because you're always behind the camera. But I think yeah. having the, the personality of yours come through your brand, which you're doing through your podcast and, uh, and the other uh, content you're producing, um, I think that's, that's so important as well. Like um, people want to connect with people before they invest in businesses. People do, pe people do business with people. People don't do business with businesses, right? Yeah. Um, and um, I've had some really great mentors in the past and I'm currently uh, working with an amazing uh, real estate coach who's uh, reiterated that to me uh, that, you know, people before they, it's interesting, I should say, um, you know, a, a lot of followers, they typically are very silent for a very long time. They'll yeah. watch your content, they'll consume it, they'll, they'll get value from it. They'll connect with you as an individual, they'll start to trust you and, you know, what you know, your knowledge and your, your content, your, you know, you've won some awards in your video, in your, uh, your <laughs> yeah, short films. Recently, yeah. like, Thank you. Uh, you. You've done some great work and I'm mm -hmm. sure you have a lot of people that have been uh, very uh, intensely watching your stuff, but maybe haven't reached out to you yet. But there comes a point when you post something that's authentic enough to your point, like that was the first uh, point of building a brand um, that involves you as a person. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the, you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back or that's going to be the tipping point for them to reach out to you and say, you know what, look, I really appreciate all that you've done, all the content, all the value. I think value is an overused word, but I'm just using it. But it's true, man. That's, that's, that's the first thing we learn in marketing. What, what I just want to yeah. say, touch on like the whole thing about value and, um, and an example with, sorry, I just have to say this with identity, yeah, yeah. you know, um, I, I, there was a point where I just wanted to be behind the camera. I just wanted to make my films and whatever, but I also said to myself, you know, I'm pretty presentable in, in that I have a, a, a personality and I'm very outgoing and I, and I feel like I have a lot of points that I can help. Cause when I talk to friends or family, they'll tell me like, yo, you should like 
talk to people about this. Like you really articulate, or you you have a, a really good message to say. Um, because I get a lot where like I'm very, I come across very genuine, right? When I talk, and I said, you know what? I was watching some videos during the pandemic and about self-reflection and like how to become a better person. And I said, I could do this. Like I could talk to my audience. I could talk to people that are struggling. Like it doesn't always have to be about film, right? And then they connect it back to the brand of like, when you watch my movies or when you watch my content that I create, you see why I created that character that was struggling to be a filmmaker or why that character felt like he never fit in or why that yeah. character, you know, was judged by, you know, everyone around him for pursuing something that was different. It always, yeah. it, it, it's like meta, right? Like you connect it back to like, oh my God, this is what he was talking about when he was doing his vlogs. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that's what I mean by like the power of having a solid brand. It, it becomes bigger than what you are. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, I agree. It's so, interesting yeah. because go yeah, ahead, it's, go it's, ahead, in, it, it's interesting because um, I think that's the best way to create like super fans mm -hmm. is to have those people connect behind the screen as well as on the screen. Like mm -hmm. if I'm thinking of, you know, I'm assuming uh, Tarantino is like a, a mentor of yours, yeah, right? Or sure. somebody you're trying to emulate. He has a very eccentric personality, right? Yeah. If you watch him, but he's such an interesting guy and very, um, he's an outlier in terms of his personality, yeah. but that's what makes him very likable. And, you know, if I'm thinking of, you know, filmmakers that I've found very interesting or that I, I kind of follow like Taika Waititi, yeah, Such another an ex one. Ex eccentric, yeah. outgoing, very funny guy who's very creative. Made some. I love Marvel movies. He's made some. Yeah. You know the the Thor movie. Ragnarok, bro. Ragnarok. I thought that was a fantastic yeah. film. And I he's really making Thor it. four, so let's go. <laughs> yeah, Love and Thunder. Yeah. That's gonna be good too. But yeah. I think that's a great example of um, you know creating super fans. Right, mm -hmm. is is being able to connect behind and in front of the screen with the real humans that make the work. Um, so yeah. And they're coming from a different time as well, right? Like they didn't have um, the opportunity or maybe, you know, the outlet to do vlogs and stuff. What I'm trying to get at is my, my generation, our generation, the millennials, uh, people that want to get into film, I feel like they need to uh, take a shot at everything. They can't just make films and post them because I was realizing it's very limited and I want to get more of, I could get more of myself out there. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, before it was, you didn't have YouTube, they didn't have podcasts. It was, you make a movie and if they like you, they do a Q and A or they do a panel and then they post it on, on a website or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, but now we, we can meet them halfway. We can uh, talk to our audience even before talk to them what's on our mind or what we're going through. And it, it just, it's a different dynamic. And this is what I encourage with you too. Right. I'm not saying do videos on self-help and meditate, but I would definitely recommend, you know, um, how you were explaining like you know the importance of investing in stocks or the importance of you know having assets or what you just gave that whole spiel about the economy and how it might crash like listening to that i feel more comfortable um hearing your advice i feel more comfortable doing business with you right um it it changes the the relationship it changes the relationship from the viewer and the consumer um to like you said a super fan to a loyal uh, audience member that's someone that's in, invested in your storytelling Right. Yeah. Somebody uh, that advocates for you. Like you're, advocates a, you're, for you. you're a Tarantino super fan. You, yeah. you talk about him all the time, right? You yeah, to him. everyone. <laughs> right. You're a and he had no example. idea who I am, but <laughs> he, he, he is like, I talk him on like, and people still like, you know, I'll, I'll run into filmmakers too, where they'll be like, why do you like him so much? Like he's so left field. He's so much, they don't understand. Like I get it. He like, he, he could be an asshole for all I know. Right. Not that I'm saying he is, but I could run, walk, they say, never meet your heroes. I could, you know, run into him and he, he probably could never look twice. However, I just love uh, that whole journey, like what he went through. And, and it, it gives me hope. It gives me this, this inspiration that it's like, I don't need to be a kid in film school. I don't need to like, you know, know all these people with a lot of money. I just need to be yeah. a guy that's so passionate that people yeah. are drawn to me and people want to work with me. And that's what's happened. I've been so yeah. fortunate in the last year that I've been able to work with talented, great people that want to see my, see my stories come to life, want me to help them make their stories come to life. And whether it's narrative, whether it's real estate, whether it's a promo, whether it's a tattoo video, like it's it just so um, uplifting to know that my brand is, is being shared with them, you know? And that's what I mean by good intentions, the passion and the legacy. I think that was really well put. I agree. Um, I think that as long as, you're sh as people keep continue sharing their story, um, the struggles, the wins, the losses, you're going to find those people that resonate with you, right? Like you're yeah. resonating with Tarantino because 
of his story and all the struggles he went through. And you drew some, maybe some similarities in your own life where you just, you appreciate Very how much. he's overcome certain things. Yeah. Right. Um, and yeah, it's just about having at least an interesting story on my end really briefly. Yeah, sure. Uh, like just, just continually just sharing your truth, living your passion mm-hmm. um, without, um, without expecting anything in return is honestly the best way to live. And I've had so many moments in my life and I hope I could reach at least one person listening to this. Right. Um, because I've had some extremely profound moments in my life in the last year and a half that I would have never expected to happen because of the work and the dedication and the passion that I've had for over a decade. So for example, you know, I've been um, a missionary <clears throat> for a large portion yeah. of my life. It's something really important to me, mm-hmm. something I'm tying into new mission investments. Um, I want to work with people that want to make more than a, a generational wealth. I want people to work with that, um, understand the importance of social impact and giving back to those in need. Um, and I think a lot of people think those two things are opposite, but really they they go hand in hand. Um, and you know, when I started doing missionary work 10 years ago, I just honestly really enjoyed it. Um, it was, it was a really profound moments, um, going there, building homes and, you know, donating them. I look forward to it whenever I go, um, obviously I had no intention other than helping. Um, but it's interesting to see how the, the universe, um, comes and gifts you things when you have a lot of least expect it too. when you least expect yeah. it. Um, and like, for example, I won't name any names or, or whatever, but, um, you know, um, I wrote some blog posts, um, nice. maybe two years ago, on uh, just a couple, not even that many, just a handful of blog posts on my, my work in the Dominican. Um, you know, my experience there never sent me the link. Some, <laughs> this this is before so, our, so uh, and so yeah I know, i'm just teasing <laughs> this is before our interesting conversations at right, the gym, right but but anyways um this was still when i was working in corporate sales and right, really, that's right uh, that's right enjoying it but a week ago literally last week i received a phone call from the founder of the philanthropy organization i've been helping with for over a decade wow that's I, amazing met him in passing like 10 years ago this guy has has started some extremely successful businesses in his lifetime he retired at an early age and he ended up building this foundation he called me because he was searching well it was his son who was with the father he was searching up stuff on his dad my blog post came up because i mentioned his dad's name and his company because that's who started it he calls me he says you know i want you to speak to my dad um, and I want you to meet my dad. And it was just a random call at like 8 PM at night. I had spoken to his son last year or the year before, cause he's a board member of this organization. So that's how he knew me right. very like high level, but he called me, he's like, I want you to meet my dad. Um, and I had the opportunity to speak to this man who had such an influence on my life, who I, I know only known from a distance. And that was all from a couple blog posts that I had just shared my story. Yeah. And you never know who, and I wanted to mention, you never know who's watching. And I'm glad you mentioned this part because, you know, I post my videos, I post my podcast and it's so flattering to thank you for like, you know, it's been connecting with you and, you know, you, you, you gave me high praise at the beginning of the podcast about the importance of what I'm doing. Um, but I have my moments cause I'm human where I say, wow, like it's only got four views or like, you know, only got two plays and you don't realize that you never know who's watching. Um, I learned this the hard way where it was like on Instagram, like these, this stupid thing about likes and comments. There are so many people that, uh, that reach out and, and compliment my work that never don't, don't like my stuff, don't comment on it, but they're watching it. They're viewing it. Like someone's always watching. You never know who it is. So yeah. to anyone that's discouraged, anyone that doesn't feel like you need to put stuff out, put stuff out because I'm telling you, like um, someone that connected to me last was saying, by the way, like um, I, I was watching a lot of your corner talks, your vlogs, and they're really well done. And, you know, I was hoping if you could do this for me. And I'm like, if I didn't do these vlogs, who knows if they would have been, been interested? You know what I mean? Like it, it always put stuff out always. And this is what I mean by like being genuine is don't put stuff out for no reason. Find something that you really want to do and just put it out there. And if you have good intentions, your audience will find you. Your clients will find you. So mm-hmm. I'm really glad you said that, man. Adrian, it's been a pleasure. I had a lot of fun doing this. We're going to do a lot more of these, share our, our voices, share our, our, you know, 
experiences on this entrepreneurial journey. Um, you have anything to say, man, before we leave? Yeah, I just want to say thanks, man. Um, I always really enjoyed our conversations because I feel like we're on, a, on the same wavelength. Very right? similar. Yeah, um, very same. Bro. The visions we have of our future, the, you know, the progress we're trying to make in our lives, the authenticity we're trying to put out there. Um, yeah, I feel like we really do have a lot of similarities. And, you know, it's interesting, can't really have this conversation with, uh, with everybody these days, right? Not everybody no. uh, is, you know, is on the same wavelength. And um, I, I hope that somebody watches this today and at least gets a, a couple of good nuggets out of this, which I'm sure <laughs> yeah. they will. And uh, yeah, I, I look forward to doing more with you. Thanks for having me. No, of course, buddy. And uh, thanks again for everyone listening. And we hope uh, we made your day that much better. All right. Take care and we'll talk, we'll talk soon. Thank you.